Welcome to the Move Forward Podcast with Dr. Kim Moss. We're absolutely passionate and committed to equipping believers to move forward in their life with Jesus, their careers, and their family. Each episode is designed specifically with you in mind to help you overcome the obstacles you're facing and truly move forward. We know you'll love this episode. Here's your host, Kim Moss. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Move Forward Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kim Moss, and we have begun a series uh, called The Test After Breakthrough. As I told you last time, uh, I did a Monday devotional on a Tuesday several weeks ago that talked about the test after breakthrough, and I gave you a little snippet, and I decided that I should talk to you more about that and bring you the whole message. And so that's what we're doing. Last week, we did part number one. And uh, we ended on the note that God was our deliverer. And so we read Exodus 15, 22 to 27, which the story that we are looking into to find out about the test that comes after a breakthrough comes from Exodus chapter 15. So let me read that passage of scripture to you again so that we can refresh our memories. Exodus 15, verses 22 to 27. Bitter, bitter waters made sweet. Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days into the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule, and there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do what is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. We talked about how they had just been through a great breakthrough and that the exodus, the great exodus out of Egypt, the place of their bondage and slavery, after 400 years, they finally received the breakthrough they'd been crying out for for so long. And God brought them out from Egypt, led by Moses, and he brought them out through the Red Sea. Once they got done with the Red Sea and they crossed over on dry land and the enemy was drowned in the Red Sea behind them so that they would never face that enemy again. Miriam had taken up a timbrel, which is a tambourine. <laughs> that that just I just have to stop for a second because it gave me a picture of the old time. Uh, I'm, I am a four-square pastor. I think most of you know that. And I can remember in the old-time Pentecostal churches, you know, often the older women would have a tambourine and they'd have streamers flowing off their tambourine and they'd take them up during worship and they'd be dancing around with their streamers and their tambourines. But that's what a timbrel is. And so Miriam took up her tambourine and her timbrel and she led the people of God who had just gone through this great breakthrough, the greatest breakthrough in the Old Testament, and she led them in worship in a song saying, the horse and the rider have been thrown into the sea. Sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider has been thrown into the sea. Exodus was a major breakthrough. It was no small thing. They'd been through 400 years of bondage and affliction and slavery to Egypt. 
And they finally were getting free. And they knew, they felt it in their bones that things were different now. Now they were going to go from strength to strength and glory to glory. Now they were going to get to the promised land and they were going to find the fulfillment of the promises, all the things that God had said to Abraham that they would receive. They were going to finally have a life of freedom and abundance. And they went three days into the wilderness. And we talked last time about how three days was a timing, but it was so much more than a timing, you see. It was actually very symbolic of several things. Three days into the wilderness. These same words are found in another place in scripture, found at the very beginning of this great Exodus story. In Exodus 3, verses 18, and in Exodus 8, verses 28, we find these words again. And we find Moses before Pharaoh, who was the oppressive king, the lead oppressor of the nation of Egypt. And Moses is standing before Pharaoh and he's saying, let us go three days into the wilderness so that we may worship or make sacrifices to the Lord our God. Let us go three days. So see, three days is pointing to a fulfillment of a promise. Three days is pointing to the fulfillment of the promise that they would be worshiping God on a mountain, that they would be receiving now their true identity as the people of God. They were his treasured possession. They were a holy nation. They were to be a kingdom of priests, not slaves. Three days pointed to the fulfillment of the promise of being given a land of milk and honey. That's the signal of life and abundance and sustenance. That's, that's, that is a land that can, that can feed you and can sustain you where there can be life and there can be happiness. There can be generations and generations and generations who live the life of promise. Three days is the fulfillment of the promise of stepping into that abundant life under the rule and the reign of Yahweh, God himself. Not Pharaoh, not a hard taskmaster, not an oppressor. Three days. It was the request that they made of Pharaoh that Pharaoh rejected, and now it's being fulfilled, you see. They were getting their opportunity. Oh, the time was now. Can you hear him? I can hear him. Can you hear him singing? Oh, come, now is the time to worship. Come, now is the time to give your heart. Come, just as you are to worship. Come, just as you are before your God. Come, one day every tongue will confess you are God. One day every knee will bow. Still the greatest treasure remains and how. And it goes on like that. Maybe they were singing a different song. I don't know. 
You know, the other one that comes to my mind always at this point is Kumbaya, my Lord. You know, I was a Girl Scout when I was little, and we used to sing that actually in the Girl Scouts. Kumbaya, my Lord, Kumbaya. You know what that means? It means come by here. Lord, come by here. Or maybe they're singing this one. This is the one that probably would be my husband's favorite. You know, Jesus is just all right with me. Jesus is just all right. Oh, yeah. I don't care what they may say. I don't care what they may do. I don't care what they may say. Jesus is just all right. (laughs) And yet... And yet, they go three days. I don't know if they were singing a song. I know they sang as soon as they came out of Egypt because Miriam led them in song. Miriam led them in a song of deliverance because God had delivered them finally from their bondage. He had heard their cry and he had answered with deliverance. And so they go three days, they're going three days into the wilderness to worship the Lord their God, to receive their marching orders, to cross over into their promised land. They are sure that it's everything is going to be all right now. It isn't this wonderful. It's going to be all downhill from here. And they come three days and there's no water. And the water they do find, it's bitter. It's another bitter episode in their life. Imagine their surprise. After all they'd been through, here they are three days into their new journey with a taste of victory still in their mouth. The first installment was in their hand. They they had in their mind divine purpose. And what do they find after three days walking bitter water? They find Marah. And Exodus 15, 23 says, When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water because the waters were bitter. That's why it's called Marah. Three days. Three days from the greatest breakthrough ever recorded in their history. Three days into the wilderness of the unknown, led by a pillar of cloud by night and a pillar of fire by day. The other way around. A pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Three days into this new beginning filled with purpose and expectation, they were finally allowed to think they maybe had a purpose. Maybe they could have an expectation. Hope had already been rising. They're three days into the wilderness, and it's another bitter experience. And can you hear them? Seriously? It's not at all what the people were expecting. Listen, it's not at all what we readers are expecting. It sort of knocks the wind out of you. It sort of pulls the rug right out from under you. It stops us in our tracks. And it stopped them in their tracks too. And right here at this place, you see, they, they came to a mirage at Marah. 
Exodus 15, 23 to 24 says, When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter, and therefore the place was named Marah. It's like a game my kids used to play. (laughs) You know, I had three kids, and when they got a little bit older, they would play tricks on each other. I don't know about yours, but I think that's pretty normal. But they would play this trick on each other. They would hide or they would do certain things, you know, and one child would be expecting something from the other child and they would get something completely different. And afterwards they'd say, psych! You know, that means that they were victims that fell prey to a deception. And you know, sometimes they would feel fooled and then angry. And perhaps the Israelites felt a bit like that when they finally arrived at the first checkpoint in their journey. And it was another bitter experience. There was no water. What they thought would be an oasis turned out to be a mirage. A mirage is actually an optical illusion. You know, you've seen them depicted on TV and different movies. You look off far in the distance and you're thirsty and you're hot and you're sweating and a little like, you know, cloud appears and they think they see something and they don't. The definition of a mirage is an optical illusion caused by atmospheric conditions, especially the appearance of a sheet of water in a desert or on a hot road caused by the refraction of light from the sky by heated air. But there's another definition as well. A mirage is something that appears real, but in fact is not. You see, the Israelites, they thought it was about the water, the bitter place, but it was about a test. It was the test after breakthrough. Exodus 15.25b says, Then there the Lord made for them a statute and a rule, And there he tested them. Listen, tests are not for punishment. They're for revelation. What is revelation? Something that is revealed by God that we cannot find out on our own, by our own strength, by our own intelligence, because we're educated, because we think we're so smart. And tests are not for punishment. They're for revelation. Whose revelation? God's revelation? No, ours, theirs. God brought them to this place to test them so that they would begin to see something that they could not have seen if he hadn't brought them to the test. It's so important that we get this. It's so important that we understand the kind of revelation that God wanted to bring them because in our test and in our places when we go through breakthrough and then we hit another bitter place, it's time for us to realize that God is about to bring us a revelation, something that we need to know. And when we look at what God was showing them, we also see what God just might be showing us in this very time. And so what happened when they came to Marah? It says they grumbled, and they grumbled against Moses. Now, the Hebrew word for grumble 
actually means to stop over or to lodge, to get tied down, and to uh, get stuck. You know, it wasn't what they expected. It had knocked the wind out of them, for goodness sake, pulled the rug right out from under them, stopped them in their tracks, and they got stuck there. Psalm 106 says, they soon forgot his work and they did not wait for his counsel. See, what's happening here is God was revealing to them their default response to adversity. And what was it? Negativity. Negativity results in the habit of grumbling and complaining. Here's an interesting fact. I looked up some research on grumbling and complaining. Do you know it's not good for you? Have you been, ever been around someone who all they do is grumble and complain no matter what happens, no matter, no matter what kind of circumstance or situation they meet, they're just always grumbling and complaining? Well, research shows that complaining and grumbling is not good for you. Research shows that when you repeat a when you repeat a behavior like complaining, your brain changes. Like actually your physical brain, it actually changes. The study went on to say that your neurons begin to branch out to each other to ease the flow of information, forming a bridge to make it easier to repeat it the very next time. So easy, in fact, that you might not even realize anymore that you're doing it. In other words, repeated complaining rewires your brain. And it makes future complaining more likely. And then the study said this. I thought this was so interesting. Over time, you find it easier and easier to be negative than positive, regardless of what is happening around you. And then get this, and I quote, Complaining becomes your default behavior, which then changes how people around you perceive you. They don't see you anymore. They only hear you grumbling and complaining. And then they make a judgment about who you are based on that. See, what's happening here is that, is that getting stuck, coming to this bitter place, it revealed to them that they were not yet ready to move into their call and their purpose. They were, they were called to be God's people, God's holy people. They were called to be a sign and a witness and a blessing to all the surrounding nations. They were called to be a revelation of God to the world. They were called to be a sign to the godless and perverted cultures who worship gods who are not gods, but actually demons that keep them in bondage. And it was our job, and as the people of God, we are called to not only be a sign and a witness, to, but to represent God the Deliverer and bring them out of their bondage too. 
Philippians 2.14. In the, pass- the Passion Translation says this, Live a cheerful life without complaining or division among you, for then you will be seen as innocent, faultless, and as children of God, even though you live in the midst of a brutal and perverse culture. For then you will be seen. For then you will be seen. How many of us, we want to be seen. We want to be heard, which means we want to be seen. We want to be acknowledged for who we are and for the good in us, to have value and worth in our society, in our families, in relationships. We want, to, we want to be known and to know. We want to be seen. But sometimes our prior circumstances, our prior bondages, the situations and circumstances, the traumas that we've been through, the things that we've been told, the things that we have lived through, things that we have experienced, and we all have experienced trauma. We have all experienced trouble. Remember last week I said, in this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world, Jesus said. He acknowledges that we will have trouble in this world, and that trouble wounds us. It hurts our soul. Sometimes we get so used to it that we don't even realize it's there or that that's how other people are experiencing us. Sometimes we let something like negativity muddy the waters and blur the vision of who we really are. We want to be seen for who we are. We want people to understand our call and our purpose. We want to fulfill that call and our purpose. How can we, if people cannot see that we are children of God, sent by God with the voice of God? Oh, yes, it's a test. I don't know if you're going through a test today, but if you are, what is it revealing to you about you? What is God trying to get us to see about ourselves? What is it that he is trying to show us that blocks our ability to be seen for who we are and is an obstacle to our fulfilling the call and the purpose on our lives as the people of God. A sign and a witness to the goodness and the greatness, the power, the mercy, the forgiveness, and the love of God to all those that he brings into our lives. It's time to take a good look. It's time to evaluate. It's time to be like David and say, Holy Spirit, will you come and search me and try me and see if there's any wicked way in me. Show me how I have been and what has become part of my character 
part of my behavior, part of my default response that keeps me from being seen and fulfilling my purpose. Won't you do that today? Won't we all do that today? We have work to do. God is on the move in our time. God is on the move in this hour. Everything that could be shaken is being shaken right now, and it's a test. God is revealing and putting his finger on all kinds of things. Will we allow it? Will we allow the revelation to come so that we can be delivered, so that we can be healed? so that we can come into the fullness of our identity and be the people of God and fulfill the purpose and the call on our lives. Something to think about this week. God bless you as you go through your week and you think about these things and you come before the Lord. I ask the Lord to bring revelation to your table along with his great love. And I bless you today And I thank you for being with me, and I'll see you again next week. Thanks for listening to the Move Forward podcast. We'd love it if you would take a moment to subscribe and rate this podcast, then share it with a friend. Subscribing gets you every new episode automatically downloaded to your device. For more information and resources from Kim, visit our website at kimmoss.com.